Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams, and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well, plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. This is your typical radio ad while eating a Crunch Bar. This is Automatic of Auto's Used Cars. This weekend only, we're having a whale! Bring the kids. See for yourself. It is huge. Gonna make a big splash. No other dealer can say they have a whale like this. When things sound dull, turn up the fun with Crunch. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Alarm, alarm. Welcome to We Have Ways of Making You Talk with me, Al Murray, and James Holland. And Jim, um... Oh, we're going to the movies today, aren't we? But, yeah, but we are. not in our normal style, chewing over some movie from the 50s and perving on the Lancasters or whatever. Or or, or, or even sitting there going, well, I got that wrong. Yeah, exactly. And saying those canoes are completely out of order. Um, what, what are we, what, what, who, who are we talking to today and what are we talking about? Well, we're talking to the director and writer of The Great Escaper, new movie that's out starring Michael Caine, uh, Glenn Jackson and John Standing, all of whom are completely brilliant in it. Um, it's a fabulous script. It's beautifully shot. I, I absolutely loved it, and I was in total pieces and blubbing my eyes out like a pathetic schoolboy. Um, it's <laughs> Ollie Parker um, and Billy Ivory. So welcome, guys, and thank you so much for coming on. Pleasure. Nice thank you, you for a treat. God, I loved oh. it. Yeah, I, ab- <laughs> I, absolute, I absolutely loved it. Um, uh, and in fact, I, I watched it this morning just now, and it's taken me – I've had – you know 20 minutes half an hour to pull myself together from the from the from the end of it so you know you you've done me some sort of damage chaps it's the, yeah. It's yeah, the, it's yeah 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 and it's a, it's, a, it's, <laughs> it's quite full on for a morning viewing yeah so 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 um listen for those who don't know it can, can you i mean rather than me doing it um you know but can you just tell us a quick quick synopsis of of, of plot yeah sure i mean it's based on a true story um in yeah two, i remember it well 2014 yeah uh, a guy called bernie jordan and he was he was staying in a care home in brighton um w- with his wife he just moved in with his wife um who was was receiving nursing help so he 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 had been living on his own and then sort of visiting her daily and they they got to the stage where they were they, she had sufficient needs that he was living with her in in, in the home um, and he wanted to go on the it was the uh, 70th 
uh, anniversary commemorations of the D-Day landings um, and Bernie wanted to go and was told that the he left it a bit late and that the official trip was full up so basically he couldn't go and, and he t- told everyone that he'd, he'd stay in Brighton and he'd do the necessary and, and, and you know commemorate the event from Brighton um, but then all we know for sure is that he decided he was going to go on his own. He packed a toothbrush and his passport in a plastic bag um, and he set off. Uh, he was spotted on the ferry going out uh, by the, there was a singing, there was a sort of 40s um, singing trio called the Candy Girls. Uh, there are pictures of him sort of, well, half dancing, half falling over and tottering on the ship with them, bless him. And then he, uh, he, met, an, he met another serviceman over there and he invited him to stay in the Cozy Hotel at Weestraham, which is where he stayed, Hotel Cozy. And, um, and then he didn't go to the main ceremony and he made his way back. And by the time he got back, the, 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 the care home had sort of slightly panicked about where he'd gone. Um, and there was, there was, and then the, the, the police got hold of it and the media got hold of it as well. Um, and it became a sort of, a, a bit of a media circus in a way because it then all became about where is he? And, and very much this, this hashtag that the police put out that, you know, he was, a, he was the great escaper, that he'd legged it. And, um, and, and that's how, and, and from that kind of the myth was born and, and, and our films kind of about that really and him, and him polling up back in England and, 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 and how he dealt with the whole experience. I, re- I remember it very well and it, it was really weird seeing that shot of um, of Dan Snow with um, with Hugh Edwards because I was literally sitting next to him at some point on that day. I, you know, I was out there too on the kind of pop-up studio um, over the Hotel de la Marine in, in Aramanche. And I remember it all really well and I can remember... I can remember the the veterans out there all treated like like kings and heroes and and quite right too and it was it was incredible feeling of it was a festival you know it was, it was absolutely amazing and I also remember that was the one where Sophie Rayworth had to do the um, ceremony cover the ceremony in Weestrom and then had to cycle because she couldn't get back she had to cycle back to Aramanche to do the six o'clock news from the pop-up studio. It's very funny. We were yeah, because Obama, Obama was in town, wasn't he? So Obama you couldn't, town, you couldn't move around the, the, yeah. the, the lodgement area. But, yeah. but, but I remember it really well. But, but what I, presumably the fictional bit is the, is the, is the story of, 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 the, of the tank guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it, it was interesting because I was... Um, my father, again, to, to digress massively, Oles, uh, Oles had also had experience, family experience of, of the Second World War. Uh, my dad was in Bomber Command, he was in 50 Squadron, and um, he was flying out of Skellingthorpe um, in Lincolnshire, and he met my, met my mum there. And um, it was really interesting that, that dad had spoken about the, the war since I was a little boy, you know, and I've, 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 I was saying that, you know, we used to, We'd muck about on the on the motorway because it was you know be a lot less crowded in those days and and occasionally if we were, we had a old four Corsair and he'd he'd slow down late at night you know me and my sister and he'd say right we're at the end of the runway Waddington or Skellingthorpe he'd say right we're going to push it <laughs> push it through the gate and then he'd just floor it and we'd go as fast as we could but it was all very much boys' own stuff you know and it was and I used to get all the comics Battle Action Commando all the you know, D Day Dawson you know used to do all that and then. When he was in his 80s, six, just six weeks before he died, he said, oh, I need to talk to you about, I want to talk to you about the war. And, and it was a different rendering of the war, you know, uh, and, and of his experience. And his, his brother, my uncle Lawrence, was shot down and killed on a raid over Essen. And we, in the film, actually Essen is, is talked about. And, um, and I went out 
I can remember it was it was a weird thing going out with some mates. We went out to Rheinberg, the war cemetery at Rheinberg, where a lot of Allied airmen are, and um, and I and I remember my dad and I said I ran my dad because you know mobile phones you know you know it only just it was a big thing. I, I said, Dad, I've I found Uncle Lawrence's grave, and um, my dad had never seen it, you know, and and mm. you know knew he knew he was, and it was very odd because there was an extra. There was an extra. They had a they had a second pilot flying that night, and he was buried. So there were eight of them, you know. And and and, right. but it was just it was just this weird thing that so much of what dad had dad had been a dad had been a big drinker and, a, and he'd been a phenomenal fighter. Um, and uh, as a lot of bomber command people had after the war, you know, because they had PTSD. And but it wasn't it wasn't dealt with and it it wasn't really diagnosed. And so. What was interesting about Bernie's story was that when we looked into what he'd done after the war, he'd done an awful lot of he'd done an awful lot of doing. You know, he'd been a he'd been the Lord Mayor. He'd worked as a church warden. He you know he was he was an electrician who could never do enough for people, and and there was just this sense really early on of a man who was potentially dealing with survivor guilt. I thought you know and and so. The question then was, you know, how do you how do you dramatise that? And, and what we wanted to do, me and all, was we we wanted we wanted to do it, it kind of in an unusual way, and and actually doing it through a love story, um, and, and that's kind of which was where Glenda's character came in, and and, and that's how kind of we, we that's how kind of we constructed the the the, the sort of ballast. you know, within within the the facts that we had. It's absolutely beautifully done, and and. The bit of the graves, I thought, was was really good. I, I had this really, really big moment um, at the seventy fifth, um, and I was again, I was you know on the kind of BBC studio thing, and and then when the service at Bayer was over, we, we sort of wandered out into the into the cemetery, and there was an old boy there in his wheelchair, and he said, "Oh, I've just I've just found my mate. I've just found my mate." And um, he said, "I can remember him dying." He said, "I can remember exactly what happened." He said, he's, he, we were being mortared." really heavily and he suddenly lost it and he jumped up from his his split trench and started charging towards the enemy and they just cut him down and he said you know that was 75 years ago and i'm now 98 and he was 18 and you know he didn't need to say anymore because we all thought you know he he was thinking i've had 80 years that this boy hasn't had and it was it was incredibly profoundly touching moment and and you know, it, I, I felt what you did was was very true to that, weirdly to that moment that I that, that has remained very kind of seared in my memory. Yeah, I'd I'd agree. I mean, the the I've had an experience not like that as well, unlike that as well in in Normandy. Where there's there's a 15 year old paratrooper buried in uh, one of the one of the uh, Normandy war graves, uh, CWGC places. That that idea that they shall not grow old. Well, no, they won't because they can't. And I think yeah. that, that's the. I thought that was the other really beautiful thing is that in the film is the the idea of well this is the happy ending this is our, that people wanted which is them in their old people's home together and I th- you portray that very well of the sort of the the sort of obviously the the daily the daily sort of wear and tear of being in an old people's home and dealing with the people and what the people who work there have to deal with and all that and then the adventure spinning out of that of 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 him going going to France I thought that was be- beautifully uh 
portrayed. Um, one, the other thing that really struck me about the film was I've seen Michael Caine in so many war films. Yeah. Right? He's uh, he's Colonel Vandeleur in A Bridge Too Far, for heaven's sake. He's, he's, he's an iconic war film actor, if nothing else. So to have him do the film where the man who's been in war digests war. It's an absolute masterstroke, an effect of casting. I mean, he's obviously a sensational cinema actor and doesn't have to do a thing and you're there with him. With He's you know, absolutely brilliant. He's so brilliant. But, but don't you think, Ali, you just go, really? He's 90? How yeah, can I know. be? The whole thing. I mean, it, obviously, obviously... Time burns off fast, and as one careers through one's middle 50s, you start to ponder the, the, the passage of years and all that sort of stuff. Um, and having Michael Caine in this film, in the, in the film where you, you're talking about war trauma and survivor's guilt and the things people went through and the things people had to say to each other in difficult times, because that's a big part of the, of the thing he's carrying, isn't it? To, to have the guy, to have this man from all these war films, is, 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 I mean, Ollie, I mean, surely... You get Michael Caine. You you high five yourself. You open a bottle of something very special when the when the car when the casting is sealed. Yeah. No, it was a, it was Billy and I had conversations early on, and who would be our perfect yeah. cast? And Michael from the beginning was yeah. the man. And as you say, that thing of and and the fact that he's been yeah. a soldier. You, you know, he just has that's a kind of club that you he was belong career, to. Career wasn't he? And yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And he has that. He also has that. He's seen some stuff out yeah. there and wouldn't talk yeah. about it. And uh, so, he, and yet he's got this fabulous kind of persona, which is very like Bernie, kind of mischievous and playful. And but you know there are these depths beneath that, which make him fascinating. Yeah. And um, so he was there. And then Glenda too. You know, there's something about capturing that working class yeah. girl who still has the fire. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, and. And and Glenda, He's you know, amazing. just to He's meet amazing. her, she's astonishing. Yeah, yeah, amazing, yeah. And so so it was. It's kind of a, a weird dream, but that thing, as you're implying it, almost like there were certain things in real life that chimed with the story. And of course, Glenda and that character have a, a particularly kind of poignant. Well, quite because of course you know she's tragically no longer with us and and you know i was yeah. thinking that all the way through i was thinking you know here she is and this mm. dude is absolute tour de force performance and and yet she is no longer there and 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 the words she's saying about oh i've had a good life and you know and and you know i'm basically no regrets kind of thing um you could you could almost imagine glenda jackson saying that for real couldn't you i mean uh, absolutely and there was something also about her too where Obviously, it was very sad when we got the news and we were just, the film had just finished. Um, uh, but you move back a little bit and you go, what a hell of a way to yeah, go. Yeah, you know, yeah. to, to actually do a performance like that um, with such kind of intensity and, 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 and this fire. We, you know, we, at the premiere, we had some of her family turn up and they were absolutely tickled by it because they said it was so full of her. She's always her, Glenda. You know, whatever she, whatever you look at, there's this kind of particular energy and, and, and strength. But they said this was just what Billy had written, um, which really, I think, got under the skin of the character, but also what we'd managed to capture by her freestyling. You know, quite a lot of the little noises and improvisations are her muttering away. Oh, bugger off, she says, you know, when someone comes in, she doesn't want to see him. She's just muttering away to herself. And 
And, and they were just, they said they hadn't seen her so much of herself. Um, and the one thing though, that was quite amusing when they said, you know, she has this friendship and relationship with poodles. They said, that was the most striking thing because she hates dogs. <laughs> and of course she has this connection. That's very funny. That very funny. That's very funny. I think the other thing is also, you know, so much, so much about, about filmmaking these days is, is, and TV as well. It's, and Al and I, I remember we were talking about this where we were crossing over the Zorpa Dam. And I was, I was saying, I'm sick of everything being so fast and quick and everyone's in a hurry the whole time with, with TV. And I'm always in a hurry with everything, but not when it comes to watching stuff. I like, I like things to breathe. I like, I like to sort of linger a little bit. And I like, I like the long views and the, the GVs, the, you know, the general views and stuff to, to kind of just pause and sort of take it all in. And, and what's lovely about this film is the pace of it is just, it's just absolutely on the money. It's just, it's just the right speed. And you and it allows you to kind of linger on 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 all the expressions and and you know there's a there's a great phrase as you well know which is show don't tell and 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 you do that really really fantastically you you don't need to explain the script is beautifully spare because quite often you don't need to say anything you just need to linger on Michael Caine's face or on John Standing's face or Glenda's face and and you know what's going through their mind and and it's just beautifully beautifully done I honestly I can't can't congratulate you enough well you can, you can that's great keep congratulating it's lovely <laughs> yeah, but, come, <laughs> come, come on Jim be realistic oh. yeah I really I really really loved it and and you know I'm I'm pretty hard to please as as Al is with anything that relating to the war such a clutch pickup, Dave. I was worried we'd bring back the same team. I meant those blackout motorized shades. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. I installed these and then got some from my mom, too. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Hall of Fame son. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations at Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. And obviously, just just as I was, I was really getting into it. Then you have the Sherwood Rangers, which well, is you know my exactly regiment, was, and and <laughs> just icing on the cake, as far as I'm concerned. Is he an invented name? But why why the Sherwood Rangers? I mean, I, I think I can guess. But why did you choose the Sh- <laughs> Sherwood Rangers? Uh, Yeomanry, Billy Ivory of Nottingham. <laughs> well, yeah. But, well, I was going to say, it can't be because Jim Clark's tank is done in Sherwood Rangers colours, because I know Jim's only too happy to tart out his Sherman and change, no, and change decals wherever he likes. Genuinely, it, I mean, it is, dare I say it, you know, yeah, obviously, it, it's, it's the Nottingham link, but also um, one of the things I was really interested in was, I mean, ever since Private Ryan you know like and you've got to do d-day you go great you know we and you know we haven't got 
six million to spend on it and and the whole the whole sort of but also it's just it's it's kind of it's established a kind of vernacular that, that I mean I remember seeing that you know being at the pictures that we've seen since Saving Private Ryan and that, that first 15 minutes you know as I'm sure we all did thinking wow you know that's that's just kind of changed everything in terms of, of, of and but one of the things I was interested in and, 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 and actually was something that we, we just simply couldn't do because we couldn't get what we needed which I wanted to was you know the idea of the, the DD Shermans with the with the skirts around them, the, the floating Shermans. So as written originally, what we had a sequence in which we were going to show the first lot of them going off, and of course what happened? I think there were about seven or eight of them just sank. Try they they um, trialed them on. It was something like the it was something like the Aerowash Dam or something. It was completely flat, wasn't it? Where they'd they tri they trialed them and that's it. And they'd gone lo and behold, look, the skirts work. It works, and and the sequence. What we talked about trying to get was the idea of Bernie on his first trip in, seeing the first lot of tanks go, and and we've got various images that we we were hoping to get of sort of um, a bit like there's there's an amazing bit in Robert Altman's uh, thing about the, the paratroopers in the Second World War, the American paratroopers called Streamers, which is a which is a stage play. And he talks about the thing that they all fear is the streamer, which is looking up and seeing the parachute just doing that because it hasn't opened. It's just it's just flapping and and this sort of and and so I've had this idea of an image of the tank underwater and just hearing this banging of somebody hitting the so hearing this clang 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 and then the 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 skirt that was supposed to keep them afloat just trailing behind. But it was simply, it was impossible to do. I mean, I think, oh, we couldn't, we could locate one of those skirts, couldn't we? Yeah. And also it was, you know, the, the budget of the film was very tight. Yeah. And so in some ways it focuses the mind. <laughs> so everything is very spare, the whole film. You know, you never saw the outside of the boat he was on. Yeah. Because we, we just built a tiny little corner and used two tanks to block the vision and then added a couple of CGI shots here and there. And to do the justice to that with the skirts, you'd have to connect with water properly. And water is one of the most expensive things to do in VFX. And certainly the schedule wouldn't get us out into the water for real. So yeah, it's one of those things. It's, it's interesting because I loved that detail when I read it. I loved all that thing about inflating the skirts and build up of the tension. But there was also something where in a way, we had to keep those flashbacks very, very lean. Yeah. Um, and in a way, they were slightly more impressionistic in the end. Um, we had a fantastic DP, a man called Chris Ross, and a brilliant designer, Nick Palmer. And we all worked together to find a way of doing it as economically and yet not kind of cheesily yeah. <laughs> as yeah. possible. So we really... And it was all about having water thrown at you, having using the use of the camera. Chris was using his thighs yeah. all the time to be to get the movement. We looked at gimbals. We couldn't really go to a gimbal yeah. on that budget. So we, it was everybody pulling together and creating each image at its extremist. He actually found this wonderful lens, um, Chris, or he has it actually. I think it's a late Victorian lens, which has a particular aberration in it huh. and gives you a particular look and so all these things started to build and create the world of the yeah. past for us but it was all done slightly <laughs> on the back and envelope in terms of the scale of it oh, well, you'd never, you'd never know that you, I think you pulled it off it, no I assumed you'd been problem. on the 
I assumed you'd been on the landing craft down at Portsmouth. That I thought you'd used that and like hung a green behind for the backgrounds. We were on an airstrip, on an airstrip where we just built a few little things. And um, but it, it does make you just absolutely concentrate on when you have more money. It's lovely, <laughs> <laughs> but occasionally, occasionally it means you shoot more than you want, and then you decide later. Here we almost had to cut the whole thing before we were yeah. shooting it. Yeah. You know, the, well, the thing that we had going for us in some respects was that to kind of. You know, it's always it's always the way with storytelling is that you want, you know, to get the general, you need to be as specific as you can be because you know that I, I'm, you know, I think there are truths that that resonate and and you know they go out and and because that that because that that sort of um, Bernie's journey was so much about this one bloke and the fact that you know one of the things that he beautifully. Uh, you know, is that shot of the eyes of them just looking at each other? You know, when he's saying, when when uh, Douglas says to him, you know, you went in the first time. What was it like? And and that look on on Bernie's face, where he's kind of going, I could tell him the truth that there were bodies floating. You know, or what I'm going to do? He's not going to get off the he's not going to get off the boat, and he's got to get off. And that also that thing of again, which is something Dad used to say to me that that um, you know when when you're on a final bomb run you know they used to give them speed you know wakey wakey pills just to just to help them on their way and um and you know and and he said you know the creep back they used to go on he said because you would just wanted to drop the bombs and get out as fast as you could and and in the same way i think you know for 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 bernie in in you know he, he wants to do his duty but he doesn't want to die nobody wants to die and and i think that you sort of um you do get a you do get a real sense, uh, you know, in, in in those in those sequences of 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 him with with Douglas. Just you know, he's almost warming to him despite himself. He doesn't want, you know, but it's kind of it's it's a friendship that tortures him for seventy years because yeah. it just in those it's a friendship of of, of half an hour. Isn't yeah, it? exactly right, exactly right. And suddenly they've, it's kind of like, and it's so supercharged because of where they are. Um, yeah. But he has to do it. Amazing bit of writing on Billy's part, I have to say, because, you know, to describe the story as you were at the opening there, Billy, it could easily have fallen foul of sentimentality. And it could easily... Yeah. And I thought, yeah. when I knew it was coming my way as a script, I thought it might have been, you know, sweet and kind of feel good. Um, but then as, as it went, as it progressed as a story, uh, the, the layers and the poignancy... Uh, just became irresistible as a story to tell. I, but I also, I've always found this this sense of the passage of time incredibly, incredibly touching and moving. This idea that, that these guys were kind of incredibly young ones. I mean, you know, I've been lucky enough to interview a lot of veterans over the years, and you know, you it, it, sometimes it's hard to transport the the eighty year old man or even the ninety year old man or even the hundred year old man as the guy we had on the podcast last week from what they what they what they are when you're looking at them and talking to to them to who they were as as a twenty one year old time is such a hard thing to get your head around isn't it and and you know we've we've touched on that already today you know <laughs> Al and I in our fifties and kind of you know starting to feel the passage of time and sniper alley and all that kind of stuff <laughs> you know but 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 you do you do. You know, t- time isn't a, isn't a straight line, is it? It's it's and and how you get from that young man to the person they become is 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 really interesting. And all those those people that are left behind, it's just it's such a powerful thing. And I think that's one of the things that the the the, the, the films at pains 
to point out and I think that you know one of my favorite scenes in it and it's an amazing moment the performance and 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 just is when and it's the it's, it's the the bit you talked about James when when young Reen is in the factory and mm. and the police come in and they they give the you know they yeah. give the bad news yeah. but it's then she runs out to the cliff top and all the Lancasters yeah. fly over but it's just yeah good CGI by the way it, it's yeah. fantastic isn't it it's fantastic I mean that yeah, bit really I'm, good. I'm afraid like Dickens I cry at my own work but at that point because I hadn't seen that until <laughs> you know and it just made me think of my dad you know and, and my uncle cool Lawrence and but but what was interesting was that is that point where she's looking out and like many yes. people many wives girlfriends did in the Second World War and you have a choice whether to engage or not with with the what's happening at yeah sure at, at, at war and and you know and i find it interesting i was reading something the other day about the uh the highest suicide rates anywhere in the world currently are in areas of particularly serbian areas of uh the balkans um people who've gone to war and done probably done some pretty bleak things dealing with that as time passes uh, as it goes on and i think the thing about the about the great escaper is that you know that scene where Rini looks across the water and and it's i say it's just an amazing moment f for me that she kind of goes yeah i can't really deal with that i just need to be tough i need to keep my eyes ahead and as she says when she comes back to her to, to danielle to, to the care assistant she says you know what you do is you keep your eyes forward you keep your head down or bad things happen and and I think the idea that during the Second World War or any war, you know, there are it's it, it's not just those who are in combat who are fighting, you know. And, and I think that that's one of the things that I'm, I'm mo personally I'm most happy about with the film is just the sense that that, for, that they they can't consummate their love. These two people who've been absolutely faithful to each other for seventy years, that relationship is unconsummated until he tells her what happened to that young lad on the beach. I thought the I thought one of the other really really smart things is, uh, uh, that, that that's in the script is that is Nathan the character of Nathan the 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 idea of showing because otherwise what can happen I think when you do things the Second World War I think a lot of people is convinced a lot of people are, are convinced was fought by eighty year olds men on Zimmer frames came off landing craft it's young people who go to war so to have a young person a contemporary young person we only left Af Afghanistan what six seven years ago there is a whole load of people who are living with their war experiences in our society right now and I thought that to have him in the in the story what unfolds with him and and you know uh, uh, which I don't want to I don't want to spoil for anyone I thought that was that was really deft because it it, it said that that war war goes on it's not it's not an it's not a it's not old, an old story it's a current one and people have to people have to live with it whenever it happened not just in the 40s mm. but in the early 2000s or whatever I thought well boy isn't it now Jeepers. well well and, and right now I mean so can I just mention I, I had a, to do some interviews recently with some war vets and there was this young woman who'd flown youngish woman who'd flown a right. Chinook in Afghanistan and and she they'd all seen the film and she said that film is my story yeah and it was mm, incredible wow. in terms of time collapsing because she said what I did was I'd land the Chinook and the, the ramp would go down and 30 young men would run out and you'd hope 30 would come back and sometimes they wouldn't and you just got this sense of her complicity to the whole thing it was just God, so wow. interesting God isn't that interesting mm. I also thought 
I, I really enjoyed John Standing's character. I thought, thought that was really nicely done. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, I think it, it's interesting because, th- you know, you do want to get that, 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 that breadth of experience. And the thing about the younger guy who's, who's there with his, also, as he says, I, you know, I'm, I'm also a veteran. And you're looking at him thinking, but you're a kid, you know, you, you know a veteran means 80, doesn't yeah. it? A veteran yeah. means 90, yeah, yeah. you know. And you're going, actually, no, you're, 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 you're a boy. And... You know, and I and I have to say, because again, I think one of the things that really, you know, I, no, nothing to do with me, but beautiful and 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 well, you know, exquisitely achieved is the performances of the the, the sort of supporting characters. Because you, you you get mm. Glenda Jackson, you get Michael Caine, and it's very easy then sometimes or I've seen films where there's an imbalance you know and you, you, you everybody mm. else just just does feel like they're around the edges and they're not always either the performances aren't at the same notch or that they're not they're not contributing in the same way but I think his performance is fabulous and I think the you know and the fact that his trauma is acted out by the fact that he is he's the young cheeky chappy he's literally going to become Michael Caine because, you know, we see him, don't we, on the boat, and he's saying, come on, lads, off you get, fight him on the beaches. You know, he's the bloke who's the life and soul of the party. And when he gets home at 11 o'clock at night, he's sobbing. And nobody sees that. They just say, God, he was running a laugh. He had 14 pints again tonight. And that bit where he got on the table and dropped his trousers, and, you know, it's all that kind of stuff. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny, because, I again, I'm working on something else about the Falklands. I was talking to a guy who'd, uh, who had who had been, you know, who'd... Um, uh, had been on Sir Galahad and 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 was was very much that character, the one he he'd said, you know, I, I had a, I always had a joke, I always had a laugh, and you know, and then a, you know, wheels had come off when he was about you know about fifty, and uh, so yeah, but I, I think it's really important that that yeah, that just that idea of that it just keeps getting repeated, you know, sadly. But also the power of memory is something you were really creating in the story in terms of. Here's a man who can't hold them back, his memories. He's, they're kind of attacking him and he has to confront them. And she, on the other hand, is somebody who's trying to corral her memories because she knows there's a kind of end not far off. So, uh, and yet those memories, as much as she tries to put them into some kind of order and shape, go out of whack and start to attack her too. And, and, that, and so it's the, it, as you say, the, it's almost the fierceness of that which makes time collapse. It was an amazing moment, actually. Not just even the bad memories, the stuff that performance Glenda gives when she's looking out to sea at 4.15 in the morning and remembering the time they made love. And, uh, and she, she does it with this incredible kind of vigour. You know, I expected her when we were rushing through the scenes. Oh, this is her looking out to sea, wistful kind of thing. But yet you get this mm. almost erotic rapture from this old woman. And it's just... Stunning. I find it. Well, I'm glad, you, br- I'm glad you brought that up because um, I wasn't quite sure how to articulate um, how I felt about that scene. But that's exactly what it has. <laughs> this extraordinary uh, er- erotic charge, which again is a, for, to, it, it, a part of what we don't think of old people as well. That they're they're, they're supposed mm, to have parked mm. that by the time you get old, aren't they? I thought. I thought. I thought. Mm. I, I mean, I you know. I mean. I've always been a fan of your writing, Billy, but I'm, I have to say it's a it's a it's a, a, a truly tremendous uh, piece of work, and it, and in its realization, Ollie, as well, it's incredible. So easy to have tripped over into mortgageness, and it just doesn't. It's just not. I, I cannot imagine anyone with an interest in this subject matter not loving this film. So, 
Huge congratulations to you both. I think it's well, it's well, a, but, it's, it's but they don't even need an interest in the subject. Matter. No, they don't. They don't. They don't. I mean, but, it, but, it, but, but, but but the people who are listening to this podcast yeah, do have yeah, an interest I mean, in the subject. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> so basically, what I'm saying is, anyone who's listened to this, go and see it because it's really good. <laughs> And, and any factual errors, I apologise for. Obviously, no, 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 no. We have put pretty spot on. You know, well, I don't switch know. We, to, switch the beach next time, but don't worry. I, about I it. did. A, I did a thing a few years ago with a, with a Lancaster in it called Night Flight, and um, and I and I was waiting for, and I got this. I got a letter from a bloke in Canada, and uh, and I was, and it was, it had been a hell of a job, you know, to try and get because we looked at buying a Lancaster first of all. We tried to. We thought about in terms of making the film, would we buy? We try and buy the Canadian one, you know. And it was going to be—it was going to cost about fourteen million at the time, and the budget for the film was about half a million. So that went by the by. And in the end, we we used that we 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 went to Bray Studios. We used the, the a tail section we'd been dug out of a field not that long before in in Holland, which we knocked the bumps out of. Then we had a midsection which was built by a by a you know coach builder, and the front section was a was a guy in Winchester who was was restoring. Of the cockpit of a Lancaster bomber, and he had it sticking out the front of his garage. His wife had left him, the kids had left him, you know, as he as he painstakingly over fifty years put this thing together. But we we used this thing, and we you know, and it was on a big ramp, and it, we thought it was, we thought we'd done really well to get some great footage. And then I got the first letter that said, I noticed that the engines. Uh, that you used in your recording were the Vulture uh, Mark IV and not the Rolls-Royce V12 of that particular Lancaster bomber. And it had taken me 63 drafts in 10 years to get that film made. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> you weren't not quite ready. Really, but anyway. Amazing. Uh, oh, funny. Well, listen, both of you, thanks so much for, yeah, um, for, for coming on. Congratulations yeah. on the film. It's, it's terrific. And... Um, yeah. It's been it's been great. It's, it. it's been great having That's just watched great. it to then be able to kind of sort of gush about it and chat to yeah. you about it. The Great Escaper, in all cinemas now and probably on a streaming platform shortly. That the way the world goes, it's a tragedy, isn't it? That you don't you don't get you don't have to wait two years for a film oh, like no. you did in the old days. Oh, I used to love that. <laughs> I used to like that. It made it all special. Yeah, the special <laughs> Christmas. When you got the Christmas Day one or the Boxing Day movie. Exactly. <laughs> it's a big thing. Yeah. Well, thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you again very soon. Bye-bye. Cheerio. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, U.S. Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics U.S., brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. He was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? <laughs> well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. 
He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics US wherever you get your podcasts.